Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Monday edition of The Yard. It is a beautiful day here in Starkville, Mississippi. A little bit cool, a little bit chilly to the point that you probably want to wear a sleeve. But, man, it is a sunshiny day, as the folks from Sesame Street taught us. Man, it is an absolutely Chamber of Commerce day. Hope it's uh, good weather wherever you are today. We've got a lot to discuss. It is Egg Bowl week. And uh, we're going to do a show every day uh, as scheduled. You know, a lot of people uh, take some extended time off for the holidays, but uh, not going to do that here. We'll go ahead and let you know that we'll uh, we'll probably record Thursday's show, a Friday show, late Thursday night. So hopefully I'll have that up for you guys early Friday morning. I will be spending Black Friday at the Lodge signing books for all of you that uh, have not yet gotten your copies of alpha dogs or stark villains or flim flam we'll do that right there at the lodge and uh excited to do that always good to be around those folks and uh be around you guys i mean this is what it's all about right i mean that's the thing too about saturday is we had the ball game against the university of georgia we're going to break that down in its entirety but uh you know i i really believe that our bulldogs really won some people over this weekend i think there were a lot of people that were on the fence and some people are on the other side of the fence when it came to Mike Leach and his football team. But here's the thing for sure. While many of our fans have quit on the season, those that dress out in maroon and white have not. Those players have not quit on the season. And I believe, due to how hard they played on Saturday, and yes, it is a loss. We don't celebrate moral victories here on the Boneyard. But I think a lot of people found some respect for Mississippi State. I know looking at the Georgia message boards, they found some respect because there were a lot of people that said, hey, listen, Mississippi State shouldn't even go play this game. you got 49 scholarship players. Uh, in all, we dressed 59 players, including 10 walk-ons. That, that little aspect of it has not been uh, maybe fully appreciated. And then we had uh, four, four walk-ons that saw time. You know, Reed Bowman, the punter, he has punted since Tucker Day has been banged up a little bit. London Craft, a regular starter. It's not a big deal for him to start. But, uh, you know, Jay Jemison is a guy that, uh, you know, had some opportunities to sign on four-year schools, elected to walk on at Mississippi State. Then R.J. Jennings, of course, played some at linebacker and played pretty well. And so my hat is off to these young men that uh, stood in the gap. You know, they said, you know what, we may be few in number, but uh, we're going to go up there and play. And what's interesting, too, you know, I guess we uh, – what did I figure out? We played 43 players, saw action. Georgia had 54, if I'm not mistaken. We started 14 freshmen and sophomores, 14 combined freshmen and sophomores. That includes red shirts, four true freshmen, of course, Jaquavius Marks, Jaden Wiley, who was an absolute stud, had a huge game, uh, Will Rogers, and then Emmanuel Forbes. And Forbes is up and down a little bit. You know, he had some good plays and had some others. But, yeah, he's going to get better. I mean, and that, that's life and times in the SEC. Georgia has one of the best receiving cores in the country. 
And, uh, and they showed it at times. There were some times they made some big plays. We really got hit hard with the deep ball. We'll break some of that stuff down. But at the end of the day, while many people said Mississippi State should not play the game, Mississippi State officials, in conjunction with SEC officials, elected to play the game. And I believe this could be a turning point in the season and the program uh, for Mike Leach. And so we'll get to some of that a little bit later in the show. And again, hope that you guys are well today. I want to remind you, if, if you hadn't done so, go by Bulldog Burger Company. I was there on Friday with uh, my pal Roy Samante. Roy does the the Spotify playlist for you guys. I had no clue how good those top ten playlists were doing. There are so many people that say, you know, well, Steve, I don't know. Should we do the top ten list? Well, I say we should, and I started doing that back in the spring, you know, when we had the quarantine. But uh Elected to stick with it, so I extended the length of the show. So if I get a little long-winded talking about uh, great tunes, you guys don't miss out on any Mississippi State stuff. But uh, Roy and I went to Bulldog Burger Company for dinner, had a chance to, to visit with his wife and uh, Elsa and her friend. We had a great time and uh, had the spring rolls, of course. Only Roy and I partook of those. You should take advantage of those spring rolls when you go to town. Matter of fact, I got a tweet just yesterday. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. That's right. When you're in Starkville, you go eat at Bulldog Burger Company. That is now a must-see location. And there's now two locations to serve you, right here on University Drive in Starkville and then on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, great food, great food, great prices, great service, great atmosphere. You're going to love it. Go by, check them out. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A. T. All right, let's get in this ball game. I know many of you have had a chance to kind of uh, watch it two or three times, and you've uh, got a pretty good handle on things. But let's go through and kind of give some analysis of what we saw. Interesting enough, Mississippi State wins the toss and elects to receive. You know, and when we did, I was kind of surprised, but I was glad we did. I said, you know what, let's go out there and see what we can do. Because if we go out there and go three and out, you know, we're going to have to punt. They're going to get, you know, field position around midfield. But, uh, we get out there and make some things happen right out of the gate. And I really thought that this set up the tempo for the game, that Mississippi State was there to play. We went to go win the ball game. We didn't just to go play the game, as Herm Edwards would say. You play to win. So Mike Leach takes the ball. We go right down. And immediately, Will Rogers complete to Jaden Wiley. Again, Jaden Wiley, an absolute stud. We go to Cam Gardner for seven for the first down. Cam's kind of been missing in action here as of late. You know, he, he made some plays early in the year. And uh, there he is right there on the very first drive out there making some things happen. Marks rushes for two. Uh, Nicobe Dean with a big, big tackle early on. Nicobe Dean had a big ball game for Georgia. That's former Horn Lake High School standout, Nicobe Dean. Uh, Rodgers complete to Marks for three. And we then it's a third and five. We're thinking, okay, well, at least we're out here around 43. We're near midfield. Uh, so if we punt, we can put him back deep. But that's not what happens. We're complete to Jaden Wildy for 20, who gets it all the way down to the 37. Dylan Johnson then runs for four, and man, does Dylan Johnson run hard. Does Dylan Johnson play hard for Mississippi State? He absolutely does. I'm excited about Marks and Dylan Johnson. I think this tandem is going to be very, very capable uh, in the years ahead. One of the things that I'll say, Jaquavius Marks sometimes in space, you know, he the, the first guy gets him a lot of times, Dylan Johnson might be a little more hard-edged runner between the tackles, and uh, that kind of shows when we get into the red zone. Uh, so then we check it down to Johnson, of course. Pardon me. We go to Jaden Wiley on second and sixth, and, we, and it gets out near the first down marker, five-yard gain. We're short. We, then we go to Dylan Johnson 
a nice little swing pass there that gets us to the uh, Georgia 21. And right now everybody's thinking, okay, at the very least, we ought to be able to get a field goal here because Brandon Weiss has been absolute money this year. But I think we kind of started believing just a little bit. You know, it's like, you know what, okay, well, let's see what happens here. Well, we come right back, and uh, it's first down, and we're complete to, uh, to Tulu Griffin on a bit of a tunnel screen there for eight yards. It gets down to the 13. Good to see Tulu in action. That's his first reception, uh, if I'm not mistaken, as a Bulldog. Maybe he may have had one earlier. I know he, he works some on kick returns, but with uh, Malik Heath being out, there's a Tulu Griffin out there making some plays. We go back to him, and we're incomplete. Probably could have made a catch there, but it wasn't a great pass, more Rodgers. Then we're complete to Javante Payton for four. It gives us a first down. First and goal. Uh, we go to Marks for three. We come back incomplete to Peyton, and then Mark goes for two, and um, we end up having kicked field goal. Things bogged down just a little bit. We got inside the 10, and then uh, Ruiz kicks a field goal, so it's 3 nothing, and we feel like, okay, at the very least, we have scored and have the lead, and we get points on the opening drive. It's been difficult for us to do this year. And that's one thing about the air raid. It's not exactly proficient in the air, in the red zone at times. But we have a lead, and I believe that dates back to the early 80s, the first time that we've led in Athens uh, since the early 80s. We haven't played down there a whole lot. It's one of those weird anomalies in the schedule, but um, we have a lead. Georgia comes in, and then right away, your Bulldog defense, your Bulldog front, Stands tall. Jameer White goes for a loss of two. And then they hit Pickens for a long uh, gain over Emmanuel Forbes. Cook goes for one yard incomplete to Kiaris Jackson. And then JT Daniels is sacked. And so we get the stop. And uh, there was a lot of juice at that point on the field. It's like, okay, we've got the lead and now we're getting the ball back. Let's go make some things happen. Well, we don't. We're complete to Spivey for six, incomplete to Williams. And then Marks comes up just short of the, uh, the first down there. And so we punt, and Reed Bowman pulls out a 50-yarder. Down into Georgia 31. Georgia closes out the quarter with possession. JT Daniels complete to Pickens for eight. And, man, how good is George Pickens? Uh, Jameer White goes for 10. I believe that's their long gain of the day uh, on the ground. JT Daniels incompleted Jermaine uh, Burton for six. White goes for six. Uh, gives them a first down. JT Daniels complete to Pickens for three. And James Cook goes for a loss of four. And again, your Bulldog defense standing tall there. That closes out a very, very, very quick first quarter. And that's what happens when, you know, when, you're, when you're moving the chains. And one of the things that I liked about our approach is, you know, with so many people bailing out those linebackers, we're actually sending those receivers out there and kind of curling them across the middle. It simplifies the reads for Will Rogers, but also gives him a capable reception, right, the pass catcher right there to get a reception, especially on first down. And every time you looked up, it seemed like it was second and five, second and three. And then eventually we threw those linebackers and that defense into man-to-man coverage, and we were able to exploit some of that. So we get to the second quarter. Georgia's drive continues. Daniel's incomplete to Pickens. And there's a P.I. on Martin Emerson. You know, if he gets his head around, it's not a P.I. might even be an interception. But Pickens got deep there, and the ball was underthrown. And uh, I know some people on, on social media did not agree with the call. Listen, you don't turn your head. You don't make a play for the ball. They're going to call that every single time. So I, I, I agreed with the call. White goes for one. JT Daniels completes Jermaine Baden for 14 to the state 10. And then White goes for one. Then there's an offside penalty on Kobe Jones. Kind of rare to see him make a mistake like that. And he owned it. He was immediately out there saying it was me. JT Daniels incomplete to Pickens, and so it brings up a big third and goal, and then Pickens, fi- Pickens finds the end zone there on a pass 
uh, to make it 7-3. But again, Georgia had to work for it. They had to methodically work the ball down the field, and to their credit, they did. We had trouble getting off the field on third down in this drive, and that became a recurring theme throughout the ball game. So now we're down 7-3. We get the ball back. Rodgers completes Osiris Mitchell, who's kind of been missing in action as well. Good to see him out there making plays. Dylan Johnson then runs for seven in the first down. Rodgers complete to Wiley for eight, incomplete to Gardner. It's a third and two. We go to Cam Gardner again for four yards out to midfield to give us a first down. Complete to Griffin on another tunnel screen for five, and at some point he is going to break one of those, and once he gets into the open field, it is going to be six points for the Maroon and White. Rodgers complete to Cam Gardner for seven for another first down. Johnson goes for no gain. Rodgers complete to Witherspoon for six, and who is the guy that's always falling forward? Complete to Dylan Johnson for eight yards and a first down to the Georgia 24. Incomplete to Dylan Johnson. Nice play there by Devontae Wyatt. Then we come back, complete to Marks, who runs down to the 21. Rodgers then complete to Javante Payton for 17. An absolutely tremendous play on both ends of this. Rodgers gets flushed, uses his athleticism to roll right, makes an accurate throw on the run. And that's one of the most difficult things for young quarterbacks to do is to kind of fight against their momentum because how many freshman quarterbacks would have thrown that ball out of bounds? Well, he doesn't. He throws it where only his guy can catch it. Uh, Javante Payton makes a sliding grab, originally ruled incomplete by the field judge who was standing seven yards out of bounds. No way he was capable of making that call. But give credit to the crew for getting it right. The headlinesman steps in, makes a call. They review it, and sure enough, it was a catch. Now we're dealing, okay? Now we're dealing. Now we're in there close. Uh, first and goal at the Georgia four. Dylan Johnson goes four yards into the end zone for a touchdown. Now it's a 10-7 state ball game. And you kind of realize, okay, it wasn't just that first drive that we had scripted things well. We had an opportunity here uh, to kind of, you know, to, to kind of fold shop, and we didn't. So that's back-to-back scoring drives. And, you know, that's what happened with Will Rogers against Vanderbilt. We go out and score our first three drives. Here we are, two drives into this thing. And both drives in with points. We kicked the ball off. JT Daniels completed Jermaine Burton for 49 yards, and he was a problem all night. I mean, Jermaine, Baton, Jermaine Burton had a big night for Georgia, and part of that's because of the fact that uh, we had some, some lax coverage at times. This time, Colin Duncan makes a play. JT Daniels incomplete to James Cook for a one-yard loss. Sean Preston coming up, delivering the blow there. Then JT Daniels sacked for a loss of six, and it really felt like we had a really good chance to get off the field here. It's third and 17 at the State 33. They're kind of in no man's land there, and then they're complete to Burton for nine. So we do get off the field, but they, they kick the field goal to tie the game at 10. So again, despite the fact that your, your Bulldog secondary and your Bulldog defense is supposed to be on the short end of the talent stick, and they are, let's be honest, we're out there going toe-to-toe with Georgia with a very, very, very thin roster. We get the ball back. Good things happen, right? Third drive again. Second game in a row, there's three drives to open the game that Will Rogers leads us to offensive points. And here we go. We had a chance again. It's 10-10. And if we had folded right here in the second quarter, I think a lot of our fans have been like, you know what, this is what I expected. Not what happens. Will Rogers complete the Weatherspoon for five. Then we're complete. go back to Jaden Wiley, who is an absolute stud for 14 yards. Then we're complete to Williams on first and 10. Gives a very manageable second and five out near midfield. And then Will Rogers makes his best throw of the night. Basically a bit of a flag route there to uh, Jaden Wiley, who grabs it, stays in bounds, and then outraces everybody to the end zone. When that happened, I thought to myself, when is the last time that we've had a receiver capable of making that play, not just securing the catch, but then staying in bounds and then taking it the distance? Maybe Chad Bumpus, maybe. You know, Fred Ross, of course, had some moments. Uh, 
But we haven't had a lot of receivers the last several years that could make that play and then turn it into a scoring play. We've had a lot of guys that it was all they could do to secure the catch. And so, yeah, they would make the grab there and run out of bounds and be a first down and we'd keep driving. But then Jaden Wiley gives you some big playability, gets into the end zone 51 yards later. It is now 17-10 Mississippi State, and then everybody in the SEC that wasn't watching this game all of a sudden decided, let me turn over there and see, because Mike Leach has the Bulldogs ready to play. Give Georgia credit, they come right back and answer. They get the ball with a minute 22 left, and I remember thinking, man, if we can just get off the field here and get to halftime with them coming back with the ball, we would have an opportunity to kind of keep this, this thing even into the second half. JT Daniels complete to Kiaris Jackson for 15. And then there's, of course, a, a block, uh, a uh, illegal block called that backs them up first and 20. So it looks good for us. The next thing you know, Jermaine Burton gets loose again, 46 yards, down to the state 34. And it really felt like we were in trouble because at that point, at the very least, you're thinking they're going to get a field goal out of this. Incomplete to James Cook, the complete to Pickens for 13 that gets a first down to the state 21. James Cook then runs for six. They call timeout 45 seconds to go at the state 15. You're just thinking, if we could hold them for a field goal, it's a huge win. JT Daniels then complete the burden for seven, out of bounds at the state eight. Called back again, another holding call on Trey McKitty, his second of the ball game. Backs it up to the 18s. So now it's second and seven from our 18. And again, the clock is a bit of a factor. Incomplete to Washington brings up a third and seven. So you're thinking, if we can get off the field here, Again, a big third down play. If we get off the field here, we force a field goal. We have a chance to get into the locker room at halftime with the lead. And that would have been incredible. Now what happens, they find Burden for 18 yards with 30 seconds to go. And um, basically they tie the game there. So now it's uh, it's 17-all. You know, we come out, run a couple draw plays, and then we get into the half. So it's 17-all, and at this point – I think people nationally are kind of paying attention to this. It's no longer just an SEC game. You've got Georgia uh, out there kind of, you know, got a real fight on their hands against a team that many people expected them to blow out, including Mississippi State folks. I I just wanted us to avoid embarrassment. We certainly did that. And you could argue we nearly won the ballgame. I know some people have said we just... Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having the outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. And that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out. So you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. 
Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever deserved to win and we did play hard enough to win but georgia made the plays late uh, to kind of get that, that thing handled without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So now let's look at the, uh, the second half. You know, again, Georgia gets the ball first, and we're thinking, okay, if we, we can find a way to, uh, to get a stop here, puts us in good position. If Georgia scores, we might be in trouble. Well, Georgia is a second-half team. And if you go back and look and see what they did against Arkansas, what they did against Tennessee and others, they really make good halftime adjustments and then hammer people in the second half. And, of course, things probably couldn't have gone better for them on this first drive in the second half. 
Jameer White goes for a loss of one, so already at second, 11, a complete to Cook for a loss of one. It's a third and 12. Everything we want, right? We've got them behind the chains, third and long. It's an obvious passing down. All we got to do is get off the field. We can't. Complete to Pickens for 14. And that was one of those ones where it seemed like they kind of found a hole in the zone. Uh, then JT Daniels complete to Kyrus Jackson for four. White again rushes for no gain. Nothing good came from the Georgia running game. We expected that to be a real issue considering State was so thin at linebacker. Says a lot about those young men to stand up against one of the better rushing teams in the SEC. So then uh, Daniels is complete to Kyrus Jackson for eight for a first down. Again, it's a third and six conversion. That was the story to second half. It's how great, really the whole game, is how great JT Daniels was on third down. First and ten, Daniels complete to Kyrus Jackson for three. And then they dial up a long-distance shot to Jermaine Burton, 48 yards, touchdown. You know, we knew Pickens was going to be a handful. Who knew that Jermaine Burton would have the game that he did? So now it's 24-17 Georgia. So Georgia has the lead for the first time since the first quarter. How would we respond? That's a million-dollar question, right? How would we respond? Well, we, we, we go right back and tie the game up. Well, Riders complete to Austin Williams for eight. And there we could talk about again. Manageable plays with good reads on first down with those Georgia backers bailing out, kind of taking advantage of it underneath. And Austin Williams is a strong enough guy to kind of fall forward and get a yard or two more. Then we're back complete to Osiris Mitchell for four. Dylan Johnson then goes for five on first and ten. Complete to Mitchell for 12. Then we're back to Mitchell for six. Brings up a second and four. We're complete to Dylan Johnson, who fights for a first down. Will Rodgers then complete to Austin Williams for 19, who caught a great pass from Rodgers and then navigated up the seam there and made a nice play to get it inside the Georgia 20. Dylan Johnson goes for a loss of one. We're incomplete to Wally. It's third and 11. Everybody's thinking, okay, well, this is it. All right, this is where State gets off schedule. We're not going to convert here. We might have to attempt the field goal, and then Georgia's going to be ahead of us in sequence and have the lead and the ball. That's not what happens, though. Rodgers completes Osiris Mitchell, an incredible throw, and an incredible job Osiris to get his feet inbounds. Initially ruled out. They review it, come back, and find out that he was inbounds, and it was a great call by the crew to get it right. Dylan Johnson then runs three yards for the touchdown. So now it's 24-24, and things are getting awfully tense in Athens, Georgia. I also believe there's some people around this great country that love Mississippi State that thought, you know what, we just might do it. If we can just get a stop, we just might do it. Well, we do get a stop on the very next drive. JT Daniels complete to Pickens for three, and then White goes for one, and then they're complete to Fitzpatrick for eight yards, gives them a first down out to the Georgia 29. Bulldog defense stands tall again. Loss of one yard for White, incomplete to Kyrus Jackson, and then incomplete to Pickens. They begged for a flag, didn't get one, nor should they have had one. And then they punt. So now it's a tie ball game. We have the ball back, and it seemed like, okay, as well as we have moved the ball offensively, we've got a chance here to go up in the second half in Athens and really make a game of this. I mean, yeah, we're already locked into a battle, but you know what? We can go out there, and we've survived the fact that we've had alternating possessions now we have a chance to take a lead. Uh, and in the way our defense was playing at the time, if we could eliminate the big play, we got a chance to pull off the upset. Well, Rodgers incomplete to Jaden Wiley already at second 10. We go down to Marks for four, and we end up calling a timeout there. Probably a good decision to kind of settle us down because I think Mike Leach clearly knew how important his possession was. And then, lo and behold, we get a self-inflicted wound, a false start penalty on Cameron Jones goes from third and manageable to third and 11, and then we're incomplete to Jaden Wiley. Bowman punts for 42, fair catch uh, to the 20. So we got him pinned back a little bit here. 
And then Georgia closes out the uh, third quarter with possession. Zamir White rushes for no gain. McIntosh and runs for no gain. It's a third and ten. JT Daniels pass complete for a loss of two yards. And then we're going to open up the fourth quarter with a punt. So, again, we've made some adjustments. We think we got some good things going. So, we're, we're headed to the fourth quarter tied 24-24. And we have the football. Great punt by Jake uh, Camarada. 56 yards, fair caught by Austin Williams at the 26. And again, you're thinking, okay, we've got the ball. Defense is playing well. If we get some points here, maybe we can make this hold up. Well, Rodgers is incomplete to Dylan Johnson for seven, so right out of the gate, we're in good shape. Now it's second and three, very manageable. We're incomplete to Peyton. We go back to Peyton on third down, both incomplete. So three and out. You want to talk about where things really began to shift. This is where it was. This is when the defense began to get momentum. Offense couldn't capitalize. Back-to-back drives after back-to-back stops from a shorthanded defense. you got to take full advantage there. We don't. Georgia gets the ball back 14 minutes to play, complete to McKitty for five. McIntosh runs for a loss of three. Again, the Bulldog front, Cam Young and others doing a great job. Aaron Brule probably having an all-SEC type year. May not get the, the accolades that he deserves, but, man, how well has that guy played for Mississippi State? Daniels incomplete on third and eight. Again, third down, complete to Pickens for 14. First and 10, Daniels complete to Robertson for 16 yards and already out across midfield into the state side of the field at the 40-yard line. Cook runs for four. Daniels complete to Zamir White for six for a first down at the state 30. Now we're just hoping to hold for a field goal. Incomplete to Kiaris Jackson, incomplete to Mixons, and again, it's third and 10. Can we get off the field here? Well, let's see. Daniels complete for 15 yards. However, there's a holding call, backs it up 10, so now it's third and 20. You're thinking, okay, we're gonna, this is it. We're going to be able to get off the field here on third and 20. We got them backed up. They're out of field goal range. Maybe it's two down territory, but we ought to be able to get a play here. We ought to be able to take advantage of their mistake. Not what happens. Daniels goes to Kiaris Jackson for 40 yards and a touchdown. You make a play there, you get a hand up, you get a quarterback on the ground, anything but the long ball. And listen, I don't blame JT Daniels nor Georgia for taking a shot deep because you know, they'd had a lot of success with the deep ball, and he throws a very good pass. He's got a very group of capable receivers. So now it's a 31-24 game, but there's still plenty of time left. And so now we're thinking every time Georgia has scored, we've been able to answer. So can we do it one more time? Well, it turns out we can't, but let's work it through here. And again, it's another touchback. A lot of touchbacks these days. Then we're complete to Marks for eight, which brings up second and short. We're good to go. Complete to Dylan Johnson for 10 and a first down all the way out to the 43. We're complete to Dylan Johnson for three, which makes it second and seven. A little bit off schedule. And then we're complete to Griffin for two, brings up a third and five, third and manageable. And then finally, our offensive line gives up the first sack of the night. Third and five. And if I'm not mistaken, it was zero coverage there. They had no safety help. And uh, just got to Will. Oh, offensive line just couldn't adjust there. So Georgia makes a big play. Now they're getting the ball back with the lead uh, with 6.43 to go. And at this point, I thought, well, this will be it. Georgia go down, kick a field goal, score a touchdown. I put the game away. And listen, great effort by our guys. And uh, get back on the plane feeling good about life. But the Mississippi State defense wasn't done. Incomplete to Burton on first down. Then we're incomplete to Zamir White. Again, third and ten. Chance to get off the field with a three and out, get the offensive ball back, good field position. Daniels again on third down, complete for 31 yards to Robertson. First down, Georgia. White runs for six, right ones for, white ones for seven. There's a personal foul 
backs it up at second 19. And then Daniels is sacked for a loss of nine. Errol Thompson on the play there. Makes it third and 28, so they're well behind the chains. We just got to avoid the deep ball here. McIntosh runs for six, basically on a modified draw there. And they end up punting. Again, a 50-yard punt. So here we are with a chance on the road at Athens, a chance to win the ball game. This is all you could have asked for. This is absolutely all you could have asked for. Rodgers comes out and, again, goes to Mitchell, seven yards. Now it's a second and three. Now it's manageable. Dylan Johnson goes for a loss of three, but Malik Herring goes up and shoves Javante Payton down, who was kind of into it with another Georgia player, 15 yards against Malik Herring, who is a stud at Georgia. Kind of a, a dumb front rolled in there. Gives us the first down out to the 30. Complete to Wiley for 11, out to the 41, and all of a sudden we're beginning to think, man, we're going to have a chance to do this. Incomplete to Mitchell. And then we're complete to Mitchell for three. Brings up a third and seven. Needed to get some good things going here. We're complete to Dylan Johnson for three. Brings up a fourth and four. Obviously, we're going for it. And then they bring the house, and they finally get to us again, only the second sack uh, of the evening. But it was the one that mattered most. It's the one that basically ended the ball game. Georgia runs the clock out. I think everybody walked away from that ball game, and some people said, well, you know, Georgia's not as good as we thought they would be. And it's interesting how Mississippi State people always want to explain away our successes. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that losing a ball game is ever a success. But I believe that we, there's more buy-in based on the effort that we've seen against the University of Georgia in a game where everybody said that we had no chance. We go down there and had a chance on our final drive to win the ball game. When's the last time we've been able to say that? I mean, granted, granted, we don't play Georgia very often. But when is the last time we have been able to say, you know what, we are good enough to compete head-to-head with Georgia, who is a top-10 recruiter every single year, and then uh, you know, be on the road and have a chance to win a ball game in the 30s? I mean, it's crazy to think about that. And I think, again, uh, Mike Leach said in postgame that he felt it was uh, one of the best team efforts that he had ever seen. Let me run down these losses for you in Georgia. Of course, we lose 31-24. We lost 31-3 in 17. We lost 24-10 in 2011. We lost 27-24 in 2006. That's the Mike Hennig game. That's the one we punted from their 30 on 4th and 2. Uh, we get beat 47 to nothing in 97. We get beat 23 to 6 in 89. We get beat 20 to 7 in 83. We get beat 28 to 6 in 75. We get beat 35 to 7 in 71. We get beat 30 to nothing in 1967. We get beat 10 to 7 in 61. So there's your last chance. We have not had a chance uh, to really go down and do anything of, of significance, but maybe one or two times in the last 60 years. That 2006 team uh, went out there and played pretty well but uh, all things being considered considering the numbers that we had and considering the opt-outs that we've had and I'm not going to sit here and talk poorly about guys that have opted out you know people have to make decisions for themselves and have to live with the consequences they're in but this group that remains has character this group that remains believes in each other they believe in Mississippi State and so when I look back at this ballgame and say, you know what, hopefully this is something to build on. This is something, this is a turning point, and I hope that's the case. I know that you share in that hope. But there are a lot of people that have kind of sold Mike Leach short. Mike Leach has won a lot of football games in some places where it's difficult to win football games. We have won a lot of football games with some coaches that probably aren't as skilled or as intelligent as Mike Leach. And listen, I've read all this, oh, well, the air raid doesn't work. 
Well, they worked Saturday. We didn't finish the deal, but we go out there with uh, you know, a true freshman receiver leading us in receiving. We go out there with a couple of true freshman running backs, and we go out there with a true freshman quarterback. Let me make some things happen. Let me run down some numbers here for you real quick before we, uh, before we change topics here. But let me just run these numbers down for you. And, again, no turnovers in the ballgame. Nobody, nobody seems to want to talk about that, but it's true. With no turnovers in the ballgame uh, for either team. We had a chance to get on one early. I think there was a fumble. They got right back on it. But uh, Will Rogers, 41 of 52 for 336 yards, a touchdown and sack just twice. One of those the last play of the game. Dylan Johnson, of course, gets a couple touchdowns for each. Aquavius Marks with, uh, you know, a few good runs there. Your leading receiver, Jaden Wiley, a freshman, seven catches, 115 yards, and a score. Osiris Mitchell gets seven and 53. Dylan Johnson, seven and 42. Austin Williams, three for 32. Jaquavius Marks, who is a absolute star for us moving forward, going to get a little bigger and stronger. It's going to be a guy that you're going to be able to count on. And uh, he's figuring it out. Six grabs, 23. Let's slip over to defense here real quick. Defensive effort, Martin Emerson with a career-high 11 tackles and a career-high four pass breakups. So we talk about that Georgia quarterback situation with JT Daniels, and he is an absolute star. Give him credit. He went out there and played exceptionally well, and it wasn't just a product of us not playing well in secondary. This is a guy that gets the ball out on time. Ball placement is spectacular. There's a reason he was considered the top grad transfer quarterback in the country or transfer candidate, period. And he showed it. It almost makes you wonder, you know, why hadn't he been playing before now? He was outstanding. Could we have made some plays better? Yeah, but I didn't see these big busts in coverage. I saw some some four- and five-star guys being able to compete and beat some three-star guys, and uh, that's going to happen. But defensively, we played really well. London Kraft, one of your walk-ons that played, seven tackles. Sean Preston, a guy that has kind of worked his way into, uh, into contention now to, to play regularly because of all these injuries in the secondary. Five tackles. Manuel Forbes with five. Aaron Brule, four tackles. And it seems like he impacted more than that. Had a couple pass breakups too. So we're out there doing things. Nathaniel Watson, a guy that uh, kind of a linebacker that's played all three spots, starts in the Sam linebacker spot because Ty Wheat and Jordan Davis are both out. And he has four tackles. Cam Young is a guy that everybody's talking about. He flashed a little bit, three tackles out there, and he broke up a pass. And uh, Bob Shoup told me a year ago, the Cam Young is going to go to the NFL. He said Cam Young is going to be the typical Mississippi State guy from some small town that is under-recruited, that comes to camp, blossoms, and then finally uh, finds his way onto the NFL roster somewhere. We're beginning to kind of see that. Nathan Pickering's been out. We'd love to have Nathan back. You know, maybe he'll lot back in. But uh, Cam Young has kind of stepped up and, and kind of filled that void uh, against Vanderbilt and against Georgia and really held his own. And so when you begin to think about the future, you think, you know what? Now I kind of understand why we didn't go out and prioritize young defensive tackles in this class. Number one, we got better candidates next year in state. But number two, we've got some very young and talented players that are kind of rising up the ranks there at defensive tackle. It's now time for the top ten list brought to you by friends at my bookie. You know, it is Egg Bowl week. It's rivalry week. It's Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving's about traditions like turducken and mashed potatoes or betting on football with my bookie's Turkey Day free play. That's right, you heard that. Turkey Day free play. My bookie's third annual Turkey Day free play returns Thanksgiving Thursday. It's your chance to bet up to 250 bucks risk-free. You heard that right. 250 bucks risk-free on the early Thanksgiving game. The Turkey Day free play is no risk. All gravy wager on the full game spread. 
pick the right team and you win. If your team is upset uh, and you bet up to 250, it's refunded before the next afternoon game. So you got nothing to lose. New players will get their first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 to help add even more excitement to the greatest football weekend of the year. That's right. Make your first deposit and get extra cash that you can use on parlays, teasers, and props all weekend long. Use promo code BONEYARD in order to claim your bonus and your free bet. And the best part is, it's only the beginning. My bookie has promotions all holiday weekend long. Turkey Day free play is Thanksgiving Thursday. That rolls into Black Friday's boosted odds and finishes the holiday strong with buy one, get one free cyber Monday night football. That's why at my bookie they call football season your winning season. Check it out now. No risk. All gravy, baby. Don't forget to use the promo code BONEYARD to claim your freebies at my bookie. All right, so... Those of you that know me and know me well uh, know that uh, I'm, uh, I'm a guy that, that likes hard rock. I do. I love hard rock. I still listen to the modern day stuff, too. There are some people that think that I'm uh, caught in a time warp and that I only listen to things that were released in the 1980s. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. But we're going to go back to late 80s, early 90s, and we're going to talk about one of the best bands, one of the best rock bands that came along out of New Jersey and uh, only had three albums with their trademark singer. So we're going to hit the skids, and we're doing top ten skid row today. Here are your honorable mentions. I I love all of these songs, but uh, I'll be honest with you. I think the first two albums, the self-titled album, and then the second album, Slave to the Grind, and most people don't know this, and I understand that you wouldn't because you're maybe a casual music fan. Slave to the Grind, Skid Row's second album, debuted at number one, the first hard rock album to ever debut at number one on the Billboard charts. How about that? So here are your honorable mentions. The Threat, Quicksand Jesus, Big Guns, Sweet Little Sister, and Breaking Down. Breaking Down, of course, from the third album, Subhuman Race, one of the first albums in music history to not come in a jewel case. It just had, you know, the little cardboard, you know, pouch there that you work with. So it did not have a jewel case, which made it kind of difficult to put it into your CD case. But here's your top ten. Off of that Subhuman Race album, my favorite song on that album is number ten, Into Another. Uh, I think it's one of the heavier songs. I like the big bass sound. Into Another was great. And after Subhuman Race is when Sebastian Bach left the band. I believe Sebastian Bach is the Robert Plant of our generation. He just hadn't had good songwriters uh, since he left Skid Row. But uh, without a doubt, the, probably the best range with the low register and the, uh, on the high end of anybody in rock music. Number nine, off of Slaves of the Grind, it's Wasted Time. It's a song about heroin addiction. Uh, number eight, if you don't believe me, there's a part in there where he talks about the white horse. and He's talking about heroin. Number eight, a B-side off of the... So did a grind album, uh, Mud Kicker. Dirty, dirty, filthy opening riff. Rachel Bowen wrote this song. It's absolutely outstanding. Number seven, the self this the self-titled albums. Man, I, I I've lost I've lost my mind here. So the title track from the second album, Slave to the Grind, is number seven. Uh, the second album from Skid Row is kind of really what they had envisioned. You know, the first album, the self-titled album was a little more poppy than the second album. The second album may be more true to who Skid Row really is. And so Slave to the Grind, right out of the gate, kind of just rips your head off. Number six, a song that's very personal to me. I listen to this song you know, on repeat 
uh, in the final days of my uh, drinking and drugging career. I was absolutely heartbroken listening to the song all the time. Matter of fact, I put it up on my Facebook today for all time's sake. It's one of those songs, you know, there's, there are some songs in life you listen to, and no matter where you are in life, you put it on, it takes you back to a time, whether it be happy or sad or whatever. This is one of those ones that I take back, and, I, and it's difficult for me to sing. I just kind of sit back and let the song roll, but it's in a darkened room. And uh, the video, they actually released a video for this, and uh, the last minute and a half of it are, is live. Number five from the self-titled album. The song that was playing, and you guys that are from the MTV generation, you remember this. Sebastian Bach got in trouble for, uh, he was hitting the head with a beer bottle at a show, and he threw the beer bottle back in the crowd, and he hit some poor girl in the face. Well, the song that they played after that incident was Peace of Me, which is an underappreciated Skid Row song. Uh, number four for me, my favorite song on the second album, Slaves of the Grind, it's Monkey Business, which was the first single off that album. And a little trivia here for you, there was a time when I was writing Flim Flam that I really wanted to title that book Monkey Business, uh, just because I thought it was apropos, but also, too, for my love for the song. This is one of those songs that the radio just won't turn up loud enough. Yeah, I, I had probably come close to blowing my speakers listening to Monkey Business. Number three, it's Youth Gone Wild. And uh, matter of fact, I have a, a similar tattoo kind of inspired by Sebastian Bach has the Youth Gone Wild tattoo on his arm and uh, with some flaming Chuck Taylors. I have a one kind of in tribute to him. I've got a Chuck Taylor on my left bicep. It's, uh, it's, on, it's in flames, and it's, again, inspired by Sebastian Bach's tattoo. But that's the one that started it off for Skid Row. Youth gone wild. They call us problem child. We live our lives on trial. We walk an endless mile. We are the youth gone wild. I'm not young anymore, but I still share that sentiment. Number two, and many of you probably have this at number one, probably, because you're a power ballad person. And I get it. I love the power ballads too, but uh, I think there's some songs that are better. But number two is I Remember You. I Remember You. Great, great, great love song, kind of about, about love lost. And number one for me, the video is so powerful, but it's 18 in Life. I think 18 in Life is the best Skid Row song. I think the vocal on it is tremendous. And one of the things, do yourself a, a favor. Many of you are listening to these playlists, and uh, Roy's already got this one good to go. But go, go download that Skid Row B-Side Ourselves EP. It's got a bunch of cover songs on there. They redid uh, Psychotherapy from the Ramones. Rachel Bowen sings on that one. They redid uh, Little Wing. Uh, from uh, Jimi Hendrix, tremendous cover there. There's a lot of great tunes on there, and probably the best Skid Row cover song is very difficult to find. And it was on the Stairway to Heaven, Highway to Hell album that they released in conjunction with the Moscow Music Peace Festival when they went over there and played for drug abuse, and they sent all those drug addicts from uh, from America over to play that song. But uh, everybody recorded a song on that album they covered a song from a band that had been affected by addiction. And so Skid Row covered the Sex Pistols' Holidays in a Sun. And if you can ever get your, your ears around that, it is a tremendous version of that. So there we go. That's your top ten list. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out and let me know. You know I love doing metal. And I'll tell you, I, I asked Roy over dinner Friday. I was like, Roy, how are these things doing? He's, I didn't, you know, we put a playlist together. I mean, are people listening? I mean, is it a waste of our time or whatever? Guys, we got some playlists out there to get an eight and 9,000 listens. It is insane to me. That's when people say, I'm not so sure about the top 10 list. Well, there's about eight or 9,000 people that are listening to those playlists, and we got to find a way to monetize that. I mean, oh my goodness, you know. 
But no, seriously, I enjoy sharing this with you. I enjoy talking tunes with you. I enjoy talking to Mississippi State. All right, your friends at Hot Dawn are back to make you smell better and feel better and look better. I love my Hot Dawn products. I wear Hot Dawn cologne every single day. So whether you're treating yourself or shopping for someone on your list, finding the right holiday gift is never easy. But this holiday season, Hot Thorn is making gift giving very fun, very simple. Hot Thorn is a premium tailored personal care brand that makes it easy for guys to feel and smell their best. You start with a little quiz. You go to the website. They ask me things like, what's your favorite drink? Uh, how do you like to spend a night out? Do you smoke? How did they, and then they factor these answers into the results and pair you up with products that best fit your preferences. It's, it was actually really kind of cool. Because, like, usually people are just trying to sell you a product. These people are trying to find the best one that fits for you. I've got all the products. I got the work scent. I got the play scent. I got the, uh, I got the lotion. I got the body wash. I got the shampoo, the conditioner. It's all great. It is a symphony of scent when it all works together. I encourage you. Give the folks at Hawthorne an opportunity to help you. So you can go build personalized gifts for everybody uh, in your family. I would encourage you. Ladies, take matters into your own hands. You want your man to smell great, make your man smell unique, you go to Hawthorne.co. Hawthorne takes the risk out of it by giving you free shipping on your order and your returns. So if you don't like it, you can send it back and they'll reformulate it for you based on your feedback. Get special offers for the holidays going on right now by visiting Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. And check out all their holiday offers at Hawthorne.co. Use your promo code Boneyard while you're there boneyard while you're there all right so let's get into what the rest of the league did this weekend all right our buddy dan mullen doing a great job down there at florida they take care of vanderbilt it was a bit of a tussle and we kind of talked about that on the show that don't be surprised if it's a little bit of a tussle earlier but then florida would eventually out athlete vanderbilt they have they did but man kenny sears really looking good for vanderbilt he's had a couple of good weeks They've got some building blocks there. It's going to be Derek Mason may not win a game, but man, they're they're competing. Florida's just too much for Vanderbilt. They win thirty eight seventeen. LSU takes down Arkansas. You know, I probably should have known better, but I just thought you know with, with LSU having so much time off and TJ Finley and then Barry Odom at Arkansas, uh, I thought Arkansas would find a way to win that ball game, and they nearly did. LSU wins at twenty seven twenty four. But I'll tell you. And I don't want to go back to this, too. I, you know, I, I gave the, the officials in the Mississippi State game credit for getting some calls right. And they did. And it would have been very easy, you know, what, hey, you know, Mississippi State's on losing into this thing. We've got to protect Georgia. I would kind of get it. And people say, well, that never happens. I, I don't believe that. Um, but in this Arkansas-LSU game, LSU fumbles the football. And there is an immediate recovery by Arkansas. So they rule, him, they rule him down, and then they go back and review it, and they say, well, yeah, the ball was fumbled, but there wasn't an immediate recovery. And like, like we're supposed to believe that. It's like you, we, we all see it on television. It's not like we're listening on radio. We see there is an immediate recovery. As soon as the ball is out, the Arkansas DB jumps on it, and it's their ball. And then a little bit later, of course, LSU fumbles again. Arkansas gets it back, and then all of a sudden the ball don't lie. Tweets begin to fly around. But here's the deal. You know, what if Arkansas gets that ball in better field position? You know, what, what happens? Does it change the course of the game? I don't know. But how can we miss the call? And that's and listen, there's a certain aspect of that. There's a human element when it comes to officiating. You're going to miss some calls. But then you get into this deal and, uh, and you go review it. What's the point in having a review if we're going to get the call wrong? It doesn't make any sense to me. So, again, congratulations to LSU. That was a game, a big game for them. They had to win that game. And Arkansas, kind of a tough luck game for them. Again, 
And again, I just wonder, man, who did Arkansas make mad in the SEC office? They get Georgia and Florida added to our schedule. And uh, they seem to get the short end of the stick on all of the stuff with the officiating week in and week out. I mean, if it had only happened once or twice, you could say, okay, it seems like every game that happens, every single game, Arkansas seems to get screwed. And I know some of our fans are like, hey, that's fine with me. Ole Miss A&M didn't play. Um, probably good for Ole Miss. It would have been good for Mississippi State as they had played. I'd love for them to have lost that ball game and kind of come in here uh, limping a little bit but uh, in the Egg Bowl week. But they didn't play. Alabama destroys Kentucky 63-3. to And listen, it's a shorthanded Kentucky squad. They had a lot of guys out on defense. But listen, let's take nothing away from Alabama. This might be Nick Saban's best team ever. I mean, honestly. Honestly, I mean, sit back and think about it. Do they have the stars on defense they've had in years past? Probably not. But you got Mac Jones and you got Devontae Smith, who is now the king of SEC receivers, you know, scoring some points that are absolutely prolific. I mean, it's ridiculous the numbers they're putting up. And they win 63-3 to and could have won by more. Nick Saban was a bit of a gentleman there. And Kentucky, again, really can't help themselves. They can't do anything offensively. And for some reason, Kentucky is always overvalued by the SEC media in the preseason. I don't know if it's a byproduct of them having, you know, a great sports information director or not. But it always seems that Kentucky always has juice. It's always always this year Kentucky makes a run. Let me tell you this, it's over. It's over for Kentucky. This is it. Stoops made them respectable. But now that Florida is improving, now that Georgia is a national power again, now that, you know, South Carolina is about to make a coaching change, we'll see what happens at Tennessee. But I believe Kentucky missed their window. They had a couple good years there. But they're not going to be able to recruit the same way they have been. They're just not. And despite, their, you know, they've had some decent recruiting classes They have no skill positions on offense. They have no players on offense that you have to game plan around. They go out and get Joey Gatewood as a transfer. He he might want to reconsider that when he becomes a grad transfer and just kind of get out of there because Kentucky is so bad offensively, arguably one of the worst offenses in in the league, And and not just because of player error, but it's more about player ability. It's incredible. It really is. And I picked it early on. You know, I said I thought they were going to be rough, and then they go beat Tennessee the way that they did, and it really surprised me. I was like, you know what, maybe I'm wrong about these guys. But no, no, they still haven't found any semblance of offense. And they're 3-5 and five right now, you know, with four games to play. When you look at what's left on the schedule, you know, you got Florida and you, uh, you got South Carolina. And so, okay, yeah, they may get South Carolina. They're not winning in the swamp. Dan Mullen can sniff Atlanta now. So they got two games to play. So they'll be assured of another losing season. And uh, everybody's going to say, well, you know, it'll be okay. But um, it's going to be interesting to see who comes back and who they bring back and what they do moving forward because they have got to go find some offensive playmakers somewhere. They have to. I still can't believe we played as poorly as we did. We gave the game away. We did. We gave the game away. I'll just say it again. We gave the game away. Defense played well enough to win. We're out there throwing six interceptions. We let a bad team win a ball game that we had no business doing. And maybe that says we're worse than them. And that's what the scoreboard shows. All right, let's look at, the, again, the rest of the league here as we get around here. Uh, Auburn takes care of Tennessee, but listen, Tennessee jumped up there early, and everybody's like, hey, wait a minute, Auburn is just so tough at home. I mean, they really are. They're beginning to find some sense of offense. But, uh, 
you know, Tennessee just doesn't have enough firepower on offense. And like some people are talking about Garantano may come back next year. I mean, what does that say about Tennessee's quarterback situation? They're considering bringing that guy back. I mean, he is mediocre at best. But they jump out that 10 nothing lead, and everybody's like, okay, here, here we go. And then Auburn just takes over from there, wins the game 30-17. to But uh, never really felt like in the second half that Auburn was any trouble whatsoever. South Carolina 17 uh, loses 17-10 to Mizzou. Give those Gamecocks a lot of credit. Coming out playing hard. You know, we, I expected Mizzou to be able to, uh, to put that game away. Uh, and they weren't. And that says a lot about Mike Bobo and that group up there kind of getting those guys ready to go. Uh, I might be along here. I think, I think we're going to beat Mizzou. I, I do. I think we're going to beat Mizzou. I think they're going to come in here. And, and when you look at the schedule, they're going to be coming in, you know, the, the week after playing Arkansas. And that's going to be a physical ball game. And they're going to come down here. And I think, you know, offensively that they're one of those teams that's kind of hit or miss. And I think as well as we play defense, that we've got a chance to win the ball game. And, you know, there, there are some, there's some, some trends you look at. And let's just run down here Mizzou's offensive production. You know, they score 19-12. They put up 45 against LSU, and everybody thought, man, look at these guys go. Then Mizzou has 20 against Kentucky, 17 against Florida, and then 17 against South Carolina. Uh, they're struggling to score. And so I think they'll come in here and continue to struggle to score. And I think defensively we're going to do enough to shut those guys down. They want to run the football, and it's kind of tough to run the football against Mississippi State. So I think we'll find a way to win that ball game. There's some other games out there that uh, you kind of got kind of got my eye on. I'm thinking, you know what, maybe we got a shot. Then we got a chance to win a couple more. We'll see. But that's the rest of the league. And, uh, you know, listen, it's all kind of shaped up. But basically now, barring a, a collapse, it's going to be Florida and Alabama in the SEC championship game, and that's the reason that Dan Mullen went to Florida. Chance to, to compete for an SEC championship. I mean, they're, they're a game ahead of Georgia, you know, seven games in, and then when you begin to look at the schedule that's left for Florida, basically they'd have to lose two because they, they have the, uh, the one game, they have the, the tiebreaker advantage uh, over Georgia. But this Florida schedule kind of, you know, sets up pretty well for them. They host Kentucky – this weekend then they travel to Tennessee and then they'll get LSU late and so there's three games left do you see two games on there that they're going to lose I don't there's a good chance they win all three of those that LSU game in the swamp could be awfully interesting you know Florida doesn't have the dudes on defense they've had in years past so you could see a game or two and Dan there'll be one game when the Moen Malays will take over and you know they'll they'll have some struggles but you know they haven't officially clinched it yet but you got to feel good about where you're sitting if you are the University of Florida. All right, speaking of feeling good, Campus Bookmart will make you feel good. You go by and check those guys out. Stand a man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie who gets lovelier by the day. Go by and see them. Check them out. They have got everything you need on your Christmas list. Everything. Everything you need for the Bulldog fan and your family, you can find right there at Campus Bookmart. And if you can't make it to town, or perhaps you live too far away, or perhaps you're just more accustomed to online shopping, visit them at campusbookmart.net. You can get flags there. You can get shirts there. You can get cowbells there. You can get books there. You can get whatever you need, anything that you need, baby clothes, anything with, an, with a Mississippi State logo on it can be found at campusbookmart.net. Miss Kathy Brown, one of the best buyers in the industry. That's what she does. Always looking for something new. Hopefully we'll have some victory shirts for you guys soon that you can buy. And I know everybody will be looking for those, and we'll, we'll make sure that you're aware of them, especially if we get a win this week. Go by, check them out. Uh, use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And again, that's 
campusbookmart.net. Promo code BSR for beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Let me remind you, too, we're going to be playing baseball here pretty soon. You'd love to have a Mississippi State baseball jersey. Go ahead and get ahead of the game. Get those. It's going to be a popular Christmas item. Kids love them. It's the Jake Mangum effect, for sure. All right, let's talk about the Egg Bowl. A lot of people have said, well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that said that uh, Mississippi State's trying to dodge playing the Egg Bowl. Uh, let me go ahead and tell you, that's a complete lie. That is completely fabricated. You know, if we were, we, we could have bowed out of the Georgia game. If we didn't want to play, we could have said, hey, you know what, we only got 49 scholarship players, we can't play. You know, one of the things is, uh, you know, our linebackers, I don't know what the actual threshold is, but, you know, we were down some linebackers on scholarship. And then we ended up playing some walk-ons out there, and they make plays for us. But, you know, if we had not played Georgia, who could really have blamed us other than Ole Miss people? Nobody could have said, you know what, that butt whipping the state's about to get at Athens, man, with 49 players, they just turned the bus around and come home. But we didn't do that. We went and played the game. And so why would we go play a game that we are everybody expects us to lose because we don't want to play a game that we have a chance to win? And they're saying, Steve, are you really saying that State could beat Ole Miss? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes, we can beat Ole Miss. Yes, we can. Do we have to find a way to uh, corral Elijah Moore? Yes, we do. But their defense is so bad, I think we're going to score a lot, and I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout. And I think defensively, at times, we're going to get pressure on Corral. We're going to force the turnover. We're going, you know, we're going to be able to get to them. I think it's going to be a very competitive ball game. And the team that makes the, the most mistakes is going to lose. And that doesn't, you know, you don't have to be some football guru to figure that out. But you know, Matt Corral's a guy that's capable of going out there throwing five and six interceptions, and we've done the same thing too. So you just never know from one week to the next which team is going to show up. But I would much rather have played and lost to Georgia with the courage that we did than sat at home and watched football last weekend. So when you want to talk about momentum, I think we've got to feel pretty good about the direction in which we're going. South Carolina, an abysmal defensive performance against Ole Miss. And listen, they're going to hit some shots. They're going to take some shots. And again, Matt Corral playing the best college football of his career, without a doubt. Lane Kiffin, uh, Levy, those guys doing a great job getting him to play within himself. So they're going to make some plays. We're going to miss some plays. We're going to make a lot of plays, too. And it's rivalry week, and you, you never know. We're going to get back to talking about this later in the week. We'll take a longer look at Ole Miss on Wednesday, and then we'll kind of preview the weekend on Friday. So you'll have a lot of stuff to, to hear about uh, this week. But Ole Miss is a team that can run the football a little bit, too. And, and I think when you look at what we do against the run, you know, we got a chance to make them a little bit one-dimensional. I think Jerry and Ailey is an absolute star. He's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a guy that can run the ball hard. Uh, and I've read with great interest some people saying, oh, that the Ole Miss running back room is, is deeper than it is at Georgia. Uh, you're lying to yourself. I don't think that all, Ole Miss offensive line is better than what they have at Georgia. You know, but listen, Zach Arnett's going to probably have to call the best game of the year to win that ball game. We, got, we can't go out there and turn the football over. We've got to play clean on offense. We've got to correct some, some busts in the secondary. You know, we didn't. That's the thing, too. Like I mentioned, we, we, we got beat on some 50-50 balls. And with the length we have out there with Forbes and Emerson, we've got to be able to get to some of those. And ball skills are difficult to teach. That's why you recruit that. But, uh, yeah, I think we've got a chance to go win the ball game. We've won the last two times we've gone up there. I remember going up there in 16. Nobody gave us a chance to win. We'd go up there and win 55-20. God bless Cedric Giles wherever he is today. Said, we love you. Glad you got one more before you finished up your career. 
But when I think about this ball game, you know, um, people say, well, you know, Steve, you're a Mississippi State guy. It's true. It's true. But there have been some times that we have been heavily favored in this ball game and lost. And there have been times that Ole Miss has been heavily favored in this ball game and lost. I just don't think Kobe Jones and Errol Thompson are going to let us lose. Now, people say, well, Steve, are we going to get some guys back? You know, maybe. But there, anybody that was part of contract tracing last week won't be available this week. But there is a couple of players that were part of contract tracing during Auburn week that missed Auburn. Obviously, we, we missed that game completely as a team. They didn't go to Georgia. So there's a couple of guys out there that could be available this week that weren't available last week. But, again, anybody that was part of the contract tracing or positive test last week will be out for the Egg Bowl. We also don't know what's going on up the road. Who knows? What did they do with their weekend off? Who knows? We'll see. But I think we'll know a lot more today. And there's some people that said that we weren't going to play the Egg Bowl. And then uh, I know that we're going to have a Mike Leach press conference here in a couple of hours, and uh, we'll get a chance to talk to Mike and preview the Egg Bowl. So we'll see how things progress. But, uh, you know, as we have learned over the last several years, that all not all sources are created equal. You know, there are a lot of people out there that claim to have sources, and it's really just a figment of their imagination. They attribute it to sources to let themselves off the hook. But if I had to call it today, I expect us to play. If I had to call it today, I expect us to play. Now, we could find out some different things in the week. You know, what happens when we get, you know, the midweek uh, testing back? You know, because you know, last week, that's when, that's when things got a little scary for us. You know, we had the numbers on the offensive line. If I'm not mistaken, we had 10 scholarship offensive linemen uh, for this past game. You know, we only had six for Auburn. And then we went out there and played with just a handful. I guess it was, what, seven or eight? Seven against uh, Vanderbilt. And so we had 10 this past week. And so that group is kind of getting better. You know, that, that group is kind of moving forward. So we'll see what happens. You know, but I, I would place the odds at better than 50-50 that we're playing the Egg Bowl this weekend. And I'd also place the odds better than 50-50 that we go win the ball game this weekend. All right, you guys are familiar with our friend Brooks Bryan. You know, we've talked about this on the show a few times now. And I've actually had some people reach out and say, hey, Steve, where is this place? And, and I, I've said it more than once. But it's, it's one of those deals, it's about a mile from campus. And so you need to think about your future. A lot of you guys have been putting off moving to Starkville. Maybe you live in a Golden Triangle and you say, well, you know, Steve, I'd love to be up there, but I'm going to go stay here, I'm going to stay there. Listen, there's nothing better than living in Starkville. It's not just Mississippi State, it's the people. So the Portico development is located off Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Chrysler Jeep dealership. You pass that on your way to the campus anyway. And it's 1.1 miles from campus. You could even, you know, in the evening sometimes, maybe just walk to campus and go walk around, get your afternoon walk in. Easy access to 82 and 25. There'll be 51 houses total in the entire development. 18 houses in the first phase, and they're already approaching move-in condition. And then 33 houses in the second phase of construction. That'll happen turn of the year. Houses range from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet and from two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. So if you have a growing family or a large family that you're, you know, you're looking to kind of relocate, this is the way to go. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. Brooks Bryan, Diamond Dog Hero, is one of the developers with this group. And uh, if you would love to talk to him about his Diamond Dog career, especially that home run robbing catch that he made to send us to Omaha, against University of Washington. He's happy to talk to you about it. You probably don't even have to bring it up. I mean, you just say, hey, Brooks, I'm a Mississippi State fan. He shot out of a cannon, buddy. You can call him at 601-416-8075. That's 601-416-8075. 
All right, it's kind of a, uh, a loose week for me, and what I mean by that is I don't have a lot scheduled professionally this week. Of course, we'll do, uh, we'll do the regular dog and pony show with, uh, you know, with our media stuff as we prepare for the Egg Bowl. We'll do all that stuff. Uh, only book signing this week is going to be on Friday. Going to spend some time with the family midweek, got everybody coming in, the grandbaby's coming home. I'm making her second visit to Starkville and be her first Thanksgiving. So I'm going to take some time and spend some time with my family. But I'm not going to short you guys on the uh, Boneyard shows. Again, you'll get a Monday, Wednesday, Friday in their entirety. Also, I want to thank you guys so much for uh, Alpha Dogs being on the bestseller list again. It's uh, it's become something that uh, that is very humbling to me because uh, you know I never knew from the beginning how this thing was going to work. And then uh, yesterday, if you've read the Sunday Clarion Ledger, they had a nice little Q and A with me. Uh, the author Q&A in the Clarion Ledger in the, lifestyle, in the life section. Go by and check that out. I want to thank Jenna Hoops for taking the time to reach out to me to put that together. Uh, means a lot to me. And uh, if you're looking to buy books, go to alphadogsthebook.com. That's alpha, D-A-W-G-S, thebook.com. You can get Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs right there. All links lead to the same place. It's all centralized together alphadogsthebook.com and if you order through us you can get you can request them to be personalized a lot of signed books out there at all these great vendors but if you want to get something personalized for the bulldog in your life all you got to do is go to alphadogsthebook.com and uh, put in your notes who you want them signed to what you'd like me to say and i'm happy to do it we'll get them out to you and uh, matter of fact when i leave here i'm going to sign some more books went and signed some yesterday and they're already calling me telling me that there's more there's more books for me to sign so i'll drive across town and we'll get that taken care of uh but again the online orders, without a doubt, is the best way to go. We don't do Amazon. We did for Flim Flam. I know there's probably some second, you know, some secondhand books out there you can find on, on Amazon. But uh, we don't do those. We we don't we don't do that. And it, part of it's because of our loyalty to our to our local and in-state vendors. Those people have been with me a long time. I want them to reap in the benefits. But if you're looking for an online shop, you go to Alpha Dogs Book and you order your books there. So. Wednesday, we'll take a long look at the Ole Miss Rebels. We'll look at what they've done. And again, offensively, they've been absolutely outstanding. It's going to be a real test for the Bulldogs. But, uh, again, I believe we're up for it. I think emotionally we're going to have the lift that we need to go win that ball game. And then uh, we'll get into Friday and we'll see what happens. But, uh, listen, this week should be about family. Uh, I, I love having the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving. But you know what? It's kind of good to get a break this year and it not be a work day on Thanksgiving and uh, be able to enjoy my family, especially with it being our – granddaughter's very first thanksgiving i'm looking forward to having everybody here and uh, you guys be safe out there take care of yourself follow the proper protocols don't put yourself at risk and let's try to put all this craziness behind us and look forward to baseball season but until next time let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live support for this podcast and the following message come from corient Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.